It is finished from Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 to 14. On this day that we call Good Friday, I want to take a look at a passage that is not from the Gospels. It's not from one of the four Gospels. What I mean is that it does not describe the detailed historical events that were described in our first reading from John. But it has everything to do with it and looks at the deep spiritual significance of what happened, why it had to happen on that day and why it had to happen that way. The book of Hebrews was not written directly to us Gentiles in the 21st century with our cultural and social sensitivities and we are getting more sensitive each day goes by. It was written to Jewish Christians, Jewish Christian believers who had been raised in the temple and in the synagogue system. So they understood the sacrifices and offerings that were an integral part of the old system. Those things which to us might seem like strange relics of the past were to them an everyday reality. They didn't need too much explanation. So perhaps it's a little difficult for us to appreciate just how revolutionary these words in Hebrews 10 really are. So let's look at this passage a little bit closer and see what we can draw from it. A shadow from Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 to 4. A shadow. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeat, endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise they would have stopped being offered. For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins, but those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. And there's that very well-known expression phrase, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. There is an expression that we sometimes use of siblings uh, and it goes something like, he lived in the shadow of his older brother. It means that the older brother was somehow more famous, more well-known, more sociable, more intelligent uh, more powerful and all of that type of stuff and uh, was better known, I suppose, than the younger who looked up to him. The law, which represented the Old Testament, the Old Temple, the Old System, looked up to Jesus. Yet another way to describe it is that it 
foreshadowed. There's that word, that word shadow again. It foreshadowed the coming of Jesus and the event that we remember today. Like I said before, the centre of Jewish worship was the temple, which represented God's presence amongst his people. It was the centre of religious life for the Jews. Being there recently, I still, as, as, a, as a Protestant evangelical believer, I still fail to grasp what, what is the big deal? But for, for the locals, for the Jewish faith, they are there. They're praying against the Wailing Wall. It is something so significant, so important, so central to their faith. It was the place where sacrifices were made. The central structure around which the, the yearly festivals and daily prayers took place Pilgrims came and Israel is a very hilly country, up and down a lot. You can imagine coming there with, with your kids and family and for days on end sleeping on the side of the road because we have to get to Jerusalem. The temple was also designed and built in a way that Symbolised, it had different areas. The women, the Gentiles had their areas. The Jews could go a little bit further in. And then there's another area and then another area and then obviously the central part of it was the Holy of Holies. They could come to worship, they could get close, but only so close. The frustration that they've come 100 kilometres walking and they can't get to the, the place that they're supposed to, they would like to get to. They can only come and see it thus far. This is because sin caused a separation between the Creator and His creation. Was this the way it was always going to be? this separation, this exclusion? Or was this only a temporary measure, shadows of a reality that has, has to come? And thanks be to Jesus, the Messiah, the barriers no longer apply. God the Son has come near and by his blood all believers, regardless of gender, their education, their position in life, rich or poor, nationality, whether it doesn't matter whether they're Jews or Gentiles, can come into the presence, to the Holy of Holies, into the presence of the Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Why a sacrifice? And to look at this, we go back to chapter 9 of Hebrews, verse 22. Why a sacrifice? Again, I'm trying to address the sensitivities of the 21st century young adults. 
who perhaps doesn't appreciate this too much. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. What do you think of when you hear the word sacrifice? Employees sometimes talk of salary sacrifice. Uh, We may use the term when we see parents who work two jobs so that they can give their kids a better future. They make the sacrifice, they say. They don't go on holidays. They're saving money. Taking it up a notch. Taking it up a little bit higher. The events that happened just this past few days in France where a terrorist held hostages in France and there was one hostage left and a French soldier. A French soldier negotiated with the terrorist to swap places with the hostage, with that lady. One would take the place of the other. Even though this soldier was about to get married soon, he was willing to swap places. He was a believer. In fact, he was taking his faith a lot more seriously as preparation for marriage. What pushed this person to give his life to be a substitute for a person he'd never met. He, did, he had no idea whether this person was a good person, lived a good life, a bad life. There, was, there is ultimately no, no way of knowing. You know, it's not as if they get in a conversation, so tell me, did you live a good life? Were you a good person? Because if I'm going to give my life, I've got to, I've got to know. Can you fill this resume? Can, can I look at your resume, please? and what other people think about you. Because I'm going to give my life, you know, no, none of that. Swap places. The terrorist puts a bullet in his head and cuts his throat. Both the terrorist and the one who took the place of this lady, they were both doing things according to their faith. And you're going to come and tell me that it doesn't matter what people believe? That ultimately it doesn't matter that all faith is the same? Really? Is that what you're going to tell me? No. It does matter. It's a very different outcome. One was doing it because he was somehow following his, his faith. He believed he was following his faith. And the, the other one also, it was a matter of faith, was doing the right thing. The outcomes are quite different. 
both here on earth and think about the outcomes for eternity. Animal sacrifices were commanded by God so that the individual could experience forgiveness of sin. That's why they had animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. The animal served as a substitute. That is, the animal died in place of the sinner, but only temporarily, which is why the sacrifice needed to be offered over and over and over again. You may be asking yourself, why animals? What What did they do wrong? Oh, my little puppy. No. No. Puppies weren't, by the way. Bulls, goats, lambs, all that, pigeons. What did they do wrong? And that, you see, when you ask that question, that is the point. That is the point. Since the animals did no wrong, and more than that, the animals had to be unblemished, spotless, in order to be offered for sacrifice as a sign of purity. Only then could they die in place of the one offering the sacrifice. The contrast, we jump to verses 11 to 12. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. In these two verses, there are contrasts between the old way and the new way. Verse 11 is about the old way and verse 12 is about the new way. The Old Testament versus the New Testament. The law of Moses versus the way of Jesus Christ. The priesthood of the Old Covenant versus the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Just to give you an idea of what used to happen, every morning and evening a male lamb of one year old would, without spot and blemish was offered as a burnt offering. Every morning. Can you imagine what kind of life it must have been for the priests of the Old Testament, killing animals for a living, cutting the throat and spilling the blood and sprinkling it before God. Yes, it sounds gory and that's the way it was. Along with it was offered the fine flour mixed with pure oil. There was also a drink offering which consisted of wine. Added to that there was the daily meat offering of the high priest. In addition, there was an offering of incense before these offerings in the morning and after them in the evening. This happened day in, day out, year in, year out. What's more? In the tabernacle up the front, there were no chairs. There was no sofa. That is why it says here, every priest stands. That's because when the priests were standing before God to minister, they could never sit down. There was no rest. Why? 
he says again and again and again because they could never finish with the work that was started. It had to continue. They had to continue to make the sacrifices and offerings before God. Sin and sacrifice was a full-time occupation. It never ended. It's not their fault. That's exactly what God told them to do in the Old Testament. They were simply following instructions which were very detailed, which were very clear in Exodus, Leviticus. But even though the priests of the Old Testament did their job according to the instructions they had, that God had given them, it was guaranteed to bring futility and frustration because to them it was a never-ending task. Nothing in life can be more frustrating when you cannot see the end of something. How long, O oh Lord, is the cry of the psalmist. But thanks be to God that even though those priests perhaps could not see the future reality, that the task was do- that they were doing was only of a temporary nature. Thanks be to God that the end would come because that's what they were doing is not the end of the story. In verse 12, but, B-U-T, with all that as a background, the first word of verse 12 makes all the difference. It's the most Important word, I think, in, in, in the book of Hebrews. Your salvation depends upon that word, but. On the one side stands the priest with doing the will of God day after day, day in, day out. On the other side stands one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And between the priests of the Old Testament and Jesus Christ, there's this word, but, which makes all the difference. Even after they'd done all the killing they could do, they could never, these priests could never take away sin. But this one priest, when he had made the one offering for sin forever, he sat down. Where? At the right hand of God. Hebrews 10 verse 12. He did what they could never do. He sat down because his work was finished. One man, one offering, paid for sins forever. He finished it and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. You only sit down after your work is finished. If at work you're sitting down, says, why are you sitting down? Come on, let's do some work. Because his work was finished. When you walk in here, there's no altar, no permanent altar, no portable altar at the front. Why? Because we don't need an altar anymore. Why don't we, well, why don't we offer sacrifices today? Well, it it would be a bit messy if, if we did. 
we would get the RSPCA onto us quite quickly, I would say. More to the point is that animal sacrifices have ended because Jesus Christ was the ultimate and the perfect sacrifice. John the Baptist saw this when Jesus was coming to get baptised. Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God, the Lamb, the sacrifice. Even then, John was prophesying. Jesus was. He's right here. He's right there. And from the cross, Jesus cried, It is finished. It is finished. What he didn't say, what he didn't say was, I've had it, I'm done for, that's it. What he meant was the work of redemption was done. The price has been paid. The the sacrificial system is finished. No more bulls, no more goats, no more lambs. It is finished, gone forever because when Jesus died, when he died, it was the one for all, once for all, perfect sacrifice. Always, forever, complete. It's over. So he sat down. His work is done for good. Forever. And this is the difference between Christianity and all the other religions of the world. All the other religions still have sacrifices. If you want to see some gory pictures, just look at YouTube and see some of the sacrifices that are performed in different parts of the world in certain times of the year. It continues. They can have to continue to do it. They have to stand up and keep on working, try and somehow make it by their own means. But they have no assurance. They keep offering the sacrifices to get some cleansiness or cleanliness, some absolution for some sin that they have committed. But they're never quite sure. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. Ultimately, no one is ever good enough for heaven. But thanks be to God that we don't have that uncertainty. That we are covered in the righteousness of Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, the saving work is done. By trusting him, we are saved. Not by the things we have done. Final thoughts. Firstly, Jesus Christ has accomplished in his death what the Old Testament priesthood could never accomplish. Indeed, it was never designed or meant to accomplish. The priests, God bless their souls, they were good men because they simply followed what God told them to do when they offered these sacrifices. You can only do what God tells you to do. That is faithfulness. But Jesus Christ has done what they could never do. No human being could ever do. No one who wore the cloth could ever do. He has accomplished this 
salvation that rather standing up is sitting down now because it's finished. Secondly, the human priesthood is incompatible with biblical Christianity. Yes, there are some traditions within Christianity, the Catholic, the Orthodox, who still call their leaders, they still call them priests, but it is incompatible with biblical Christianity. We've got a high priest and he's in heaven. He's not on earth. If our high priest in heaven is not enough to take us to heaven, then all the human priests in the world don't make any difference at all. We also don't need any more form of sacrifices, any more animal sacrifices for sins. If his sacrifice is not enough, then then sacrificing all the bulls and goats sure isn't going to be getting us there. It's not going to happen. And if his sacrifice is enough, then we don't have to sacrifice anything. We just have to believe in what Jesus Christ has already done. And thirdly, because his work is finished, our salvation is a certainty. If Jesus is in heaven and we are in Christ, if he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, we are sitting there with him. Spiritually, we are there already. We are already seated with him in heaven. It means that if you have trusted Jesus Christ, you can be as assured of heaven today as you have already been there for 10,000 years, as the song goes. You're already there. Your salvation is secure. That's what it means. Because you're already there, you don't have to fear death. That your life does have meaning. It does have purpose. You do have a hope. You can see the end. You know what's going to happen. There is no more surprises. Because of his death and the resurrection that we're going to celebrate on Sunday, all who accept his offer of salvation, all who receive it, receive complete forgiveness and eternal life through the Son. Whoever is in Christ. Now if you're not certain about your salvation, the problem is not with Jesus, it's not with what he has done, the problem is with you. His work is finished. If you're not certain, it might be because you have never really trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And you're probably still trying to get to heaven doing good things. I invite you to trade all of that, all your past, your present and your future and hand it over to Jesus. Put your faith in him alone. Don't put your faith in the flesh, on your own righteousness. Cling to the righteousness of Christ. The moment you do that, your sins will be forgiven once and for all and forever. If you're not sure of your salvation and you're standing with Christ, please come to him and be saved.
I plead you, as the Apostle Paul would say. This is the day of salvation. Just as we come here this morning and give thanks for his perfect sacrifice, we are called to offer sacrifices, the sacrifice of our body, because now our body is a temple. We are to offer a sacrifice of praise. And there's about... There's a few other sacrifices we offer, but they are spiritual in nature. The most perfect sacrifice has already been done and been offered. It is finished. It is complete through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we ponder the events of Calvary, as we are challenged through your word, as we are placed in the, in the old system with the old ways and how everything pointed to you, the perfect sacrifice, we can always say, thank you, Lord, because of what you've done. Thank you, Lord, because you are now seated at the right hand of the Father. Because we can have hope, we can have full assurance that even though our life is, has been imperfect and fallen and there is no merit in us, Lord, that you have accepted us. That the Father has accepted us in and through the Son. Lord, may we trust in you, not in our own flesh, not in our salvations through whatever we think we know and do. And It's all filthy rags before you. Help us to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. The perfect sacrifice, the perfect love, the perfect Saviour. May all the glory go to you, Lord. Amen. Please.